0: hey thanks everyone thank you team for leading us You can have a seat and uh you know we're we're starting a series on suffering and some of you know this we uh hey thanks but uh, we uh few weeks ago I was telling someone that I was just preparing and praying and we were going to talk about suffering and uh, you know they said you're going to talk about suffering. I'm like yeah one of those topics you know we picked easy topics. Uh, But we are uh, starting a a new series and uh, as I begin I want to just begin by saying uh, just how proud I am for many of you just committing to growing and being with us. You know 2023 is like just flying we're like in like we're just praying for spring here. If you're watching from somewhere where it's hot maybe you're on a March, break, getaway, uh, you know, we, we have a, a rule here. We don't pray for anybody who's away. We're in the taut. We stop praying for them. So, you got that. But maybe you're watching from, uh, from somewhere else, and we're just happy that you get some time to rest. But I have some good news this morning. I want to begin by telling you some good news. If you have $13,000, like, laying around, uh, I, I found out this, summer, this week as I was preparing that you can buy something called the Tesla suit. Uh, the Tesla suit is the suit that you can buy, which is part of a whole new level of technology that allows us to be immersed in different situations that are not actually there. They're actually simulated virtual situations. And you put this suit on, how many of you are excited? My birthday's coming up in June, so some of you thinking about a gift for the pastor. Uh, th- this suit has already been used by NASA. Walmart actually has used this suit to, to like, simulate like having a lot of people in the store. And what it does is actually measures our body's temperature, stress points, how we would act under certain circumstances, and the suit really is about what it means to pretend like you're in a place by not being really in that place. It's what it means to try to immerse yourself in a situation and think about how would I act if I was in that situation and to learn from that before this situation actually happens. And I saw this this week and I thought about that every time we learn from the Bible, we actually try to do this very thing. We actually try to put ourselves in a world that's not this world, which is the biblical world, and ask ourselves, how would we act if we were walking and following and listening to Jesus in the first century? How would I act when somebody would tempt me or they would ask me a question? Would I be afraid? Would I think, oh, are they going to kill me the way they killed Jesus? If I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but actually over the years, Christians have always gone back to say, God, help us to think carefully about what it means to live in the story that we find in the Bible. And actually, this weekend, we're starting a series on Lent, and Lent is six weeks. It's kind of a preparation moving towards Easter, and if you're not familiar with the word, maybe, you know, you're like, Lent, you know, where is that in the Bible? Actually, the word is not in the Bible, but the season of Lent is in the Bible. It's shaped by the Bible. It's really a time for us to do our best to listen and to go again with Jesus where he goes as he moves towards the cross. As he moves towards the moment where he's obedient and surrendering and his disciples betray him and he's wondering and he's going to pray the prayers that we pray sometimes, which are prayers about God like, where, where are you? God, do you care for us? Jesus is going to pray these kinds of prayers. He's going to be with his disciples and we're going to see throughout the series how he teaches us about suffering. Now, I'm not sure about you, but in my life, I, I would say some of the most difficult conversations I've had with people have to do with the issue of suffering. What do we do with suffering? What does it mean that we are suffering in a time where we believe and sing and teach that God is good? Like, what does that even mean? Like, it doesn't seem like it works together. I know many people, and maybe you know some people, who walked away from being Christians. Or maybe they're like, I used to be a Christian, and then I think about all the pain I see in the world and the suffering and I can't believe in God anymore. Maybe maybe you know someone like that. Or maybe that's you, maybe that's been your experience. But one of the things I hope we do in this series, and this might help you, is to give you new language and maybe new ways to understand and to even talk about suffering. To even talk about how you process what suffering means for you, because suffering is a really big category and it means a lot of different things. And you know this, and I know this, that like, for example, not all pain is the same. You know, you experience some pain and you realize this pain feels like I'm gonna die or like that nobody cares, or that nobody is gonna fix it, or the systems in our world are all broken and they're not gonna fix all the pain we see. But then there's other kinds of pain that don't fall in that category, right? If you've ever met anybody who's got a tattoo, you know what I mean, anybody who's got a tattoo? You shouldn't get one, because they're not really good, whatever. But if you've ever met anyone, you know that people experience type of pain that they choose to experience to get a tattoo. So you're like, let me get this straight. So you stood there for hours while this was hurting you because you love the art of tattoos. They're like, yeah, okay. That's a different kind of pain. That's not a pain many of us even care about, or like, it's up to you, you're an idiot, whatever you would call it. Have you ever met a mom who's pregnant? The kind of pain they will experience for the sense of this joy and excitement to see a new life be born, that's a different kind of pain, right? So right away we know that pain and suffering are not always easily connected, like they don't always mean something's bad. Actually, some pain points to something good that's coming. And so we we need a bigger perspective. And part of what I hope we learn is also to correct some strange assumptions we make about suffering. And as a pastor, I've heard lots of them. They're either strange assumptions or very, very, um, I I would just say simplistic answers to suffering. Maybe you've used some of these. I think I've used them or I've seen them. Uh, I, I remember last year, some of you know this. I had a chance to go to Africa and to teach in Ethiopia for a little bit. And my understanding of suffering and pain was so, like, warped when I sat down with people who are so poor and are in such need. And as I'm thinking about all the things that, like, I want them to tell me they don't believe in God. Like, they should be telling me, like, God doesn't exist. And they would be like, we should pray to our Lord. And I'm like, what? Like, the categories in my mind about, like, suffering is supposed to make you not believe in God. That's the rule. You meet people that don't do that. Actually, you meet people who, even in suffering, are able to trust God more and see meaning in that situation in a way that you would never imagine. Maybe for you, that's the next step, to just grow in how you think about what suffering means and how the Bible points us to a kind of suffering that can have meaning and a kind of suffering that can be meaningless. They're different. Maybe you've used simplistic answers. Like I meet people uh, who, when they're around suffering, they kind of don't know what to say. If you've ever been to a funeral, this happens sometimes, you're with somebody, they've lost a loved one, and you're like, oh, this is awkward, I don't know what to say, and you kind of use like phrases like, everything happens for a reason, and you hug and you run away to your car, you know. Those are some of the most unhelpful, unbiblical things you could say, right? Imagine the the atrocities we just witnessed and the suffering in Laval over the daycare if you went up to those parents and said, everything just happens for a reason, right? Don't you feel like, what? Who would say that? But we often have these phrases that we use and we say them and, and we realize after a while, like, that really doesn't make much sense. What does that mean everything happens for a reason? Like, what's the reason? What is that? So what we want to do in this series is help you grow in how you understand this idea of suffering. And hopefully for some of you, you'll catch yourself saying, like, very simple things or like, they're like tweets or things you hear in our culture. And our culture kind of feeds us these categories for suffering. And then when you read the Bible, you realize that's not really how the Bible works shapes how we should understand suffering and we're actually going to do this by reading a book in the bible we're going through a book in the bible called the book of isaiah just from a show of hands i'm just curious okay no no judging here how many of you have ever read the book of isaiah just curious some of you read the book of isaiah okay the book of isaiah if you've read it good i mean that's great the book of isaiah is one of the hardest books in the bible to read it is so hard And it's so challenging. So let me just say, if you're in a home group or you're thinking about a home group, this is a great home group season to be in because the home groups allow us to just go deeper in the understanding of the book of Isaiah. And it's actually a lot of chapters in different parts of history, and it's not like a book that's chronological. It's not like you start here and you end here. There's visions, there's imagery, then there's historical moments, then there's like new visions, and you're like, okay, how do we piece this all together? So our hope is that you would kind of try to like read a little bit of Isaiah with us Maybe you've never heard of Isaiah, but let me just tell you that a few things we know about Isaiah is that we know that when Jesus starts to preach his first sermon, he will use the book of Isaiah. We know that when John the Baptist comes, he's one of the first people who comes to tell us about Jesus, he's going to be interpreted his coming by pointing to the book of Isaiah. You just see a slide there. I just give you the, like the John the Baptist and Jesus, you'll see them as these pivotal figures who are when they're going to say, God is doing something new now, your suffering is going to end now, God is about to move now, they will look back and say, let's look at what the prophet Isaiah said. He'll do that. So I thought it might be good for us to kind of read and think about the prophet Isaiah. And we'll look at some of these passages. Actually, next week, we'll look a little bit more carefully to why Jesus will use Isaiah when he starts to preach. But as we begin, I just want to help some of you think about a time in your life, maybe when you experienced real suffering. Just take a minute. Think about a time that you would say in your life when you were either experiencing suffering or you were with someone who was suffering. If you live in that moment a little bit and you're honest, you'll probably say that that suffering changed you or that suffering shaped something in you or that suffering marked you in a very specific way. And I think when you read the Bible, there's passages, even in Isaiah, and I want to begin with one. It's like one of my favorites, about how Isaiah wants us to understand maybe our suffering through a new lens. In Isaiah chapter 40, this is what he says. It's one of the most beautiful passages, and I think all of us maybe would love this as our favorite passage of Isaiah. This is what it says. Do you not know and have you not heard that he, God, gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak? Even youth grow tired and weary and young men and women stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. I mean, this is a beautiful passage for someone who's thinking about suffering. Isaiah goes on to say it's like those who who feel like they're flying on the wings of eagles, and nothing can touch them, and God is just carrying them through a storm. It's beautiful imagery. I think why I love this passage in Isaiah chapter 40, almost kind of right in the middle of the book of Isaiah, Right? Because it tells us that suffering is not just something old people face. It's someone, er, something everything faces. Everyone will face this. And I think this is one of the things we have to deal with. That one of the most painful things we wrestle with is when we see young people suffer. I've done this, maybe you've done this. You see someone who's lived their life or they, they've had a great life and they're getting older and they're experiencing pain and you, you kind of like, like, at least they've had a good life. Anybody ever say that? We're like, you know. But you see like a young child suffer. You have a whole like, all bunch of new questions. I'll never forget sitting with parents in a hospital years ago who were told that their child, was about three years old, had a brain tumor. And the doctor said, they're likely not going to live much longer. Everything we can do usually doesn't fix this. Sitting with these parents, and thinking at the time I didn't have kids yet, and I was just processing, like, what do you even say? It felt so inadequate to say, like, Everything happens for a reason. Try that on that moment. And by God's grace, I remember the moment of being with this parents, and these parents having such a deep trust in Jesus that they were teaching me about suffering while I was with them, and that their child would end up living 10 years after that moment. But then they eventually would die, really, really young age. And I remember because I did that funeral. There's no magical words in the Bible that just make that all make sense. But we are given in the Bible these beautiful reminders that even in those moments of suffering, there's a kind of wisdom and understanding of God's presence and His goodness to us that helps us see a certain meaning in that suffering that we might not see any other way. But if that doesn't happen, what also happens is you just begin to doubt whether God is even real. And yet you decide, I'll believe in God when all the problems in the world are fixed. I'll believe in a big God if all the things we see in the world are addressed and then I'll believe that that's the real God. You know what you learn when you read the Bible? That people in the Bible didn't do this at all. That many people were able to trust God even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of their pain. And so I wish, if you go back to the Isaiah passage, I wish that we could just live in this Isaiah passage. Can I just ask you one favor at the beginning of the series? I want you to be praying for the next few weeks that if God brings to your attention anyone who's going through a certain type of suffering, that they share with you a certain pain that they're carrying, that you would encourage them maybe to watch one of these sermons, or that you would invite them at the right time to maybe come to, like, one of the gatherings. That God would maybe speak to them in this moment, because you had the courage to just say to them, hey, I don't think I have the answers for your suffering, I don't think I know exactly why this is happening, but but I'm trying to learn about this, and the Bible kind of is teaching us how to do that. So would you be open to that? To just maybe invite someone else? Not to fix them, not to tell them the answers, not to show, but to say, hey, just come and join me. Because part of what Isaiah does is before we get to Isaiah 40, we have to go to Isaiah 1. The book of Isaiah begins with a story of a time where the people of God are getting bad news day after day. And if you're taking notes, you want to write this down right away, that the prophet Isaiah is mapping out for the people of God God, a season in which they will experience what it means to be exiles. Exile is not a word we use all the time, but it means to be slaves and to be taken into captivity. And trust me, if you were thinking about like slavery and suffering and your kids taken away from you, you would think of like suffering. And you would think of like, God, why is this happening to us? And I don't know if this has been your experience, but when I say the prophet Isaiah, I, w- I want to begin in a very simple way Like, who was Isaiah? Like why should we listen to Isaiah? Like why was he important? So I just have a slide for us just to think about who Isaiah was and to just maybe map out who he is for us. I, I won't do this every week, but just for the beginning it'll help, right? Isaiah's a son. We're told who Isaiah's father is in the Bible. We know that Isaiah is a husband, but we never are given his wife's name. We know that Isaiah has two kids and he gives them very unique names. And this is really, really important. It means that Isaiah's kids are born in a time where the people of God are going to suffer. I always think about this when I'm with uh, young couples who are thinking about having kids, and they'll often say, like, you know, who would want to bring kids in such a bad world? Do you ever hear that? And you read Isaiah, you're like, Isaiah's like, yeah, we just had kids in the worst kind of world. It's like we often wonder, like, how do we avoid suffering? And Isaiah's like, no, God told us that he was going to be with us, and so he's going to have kids in the midst of this incredible season of suffering. And the names of his kids are going to be mentioned as a way of pointing to the moments of suffering in a very unique way. It's almost like having your kids during COVID season and calling your kid COVID. Right? You'd be like, well, why would you do that? That's so mean. Right? If somebody told you that, even if you called like your dog COVID, it would be mean. Right? Maybe? No? Some of you? How many of you hate dogs? Yeah, okay, I would call it dog COVID. Okay. You just call your pet COVID. <laughs> I got the eyes. I got the eyes from the dog lovers. We have, we have some here. They're like, changing church. Anyway. So <laughs> but Isaiah's gonna do that. Like there's gonna be moments where he's like, God blessed us with children, and they have names that point in this time. And also Isaiah is called a prophet. This is maybe the hardest thing to understand because I don't know, like I don't have the best examples of a prophet when I think of a prophet in my, in my growing up. Like growing up, the word prophet always was a bit slimy, it was a bit weird. I was like prophet, somebody, you know, years ago I remember some, someone came up to me, I was like at a coffee shop and they said, you know, I have, a, God is speaking to me and I have a word for you and this is what's going to happen to you, you need to give your life to the Lord. They started saying this to me in a coffee shop and I was like, well that's kind of weird because I'm a pastor. So I've already gave my life to the Lord. So I always have these stories of a prophet being someone really manipulative, trying to trick people, trying to pretend that they know the future that nobody else knows. Anyone have like weird examples of this in your life? If you don't, like they'll come. Don't worry. Uh, (laughs) They're everywhere. They're everywhere. And there's also some people like they call them, they're self-appointed prophets. People today, like I, they send me notes all the time, in email like, Pastor Dom, did you know COVID is the beginning of the end? There's only a few months left. And I'm like, who, who, who are you? Who are you? Send. Prophet so-and-so from this. Th-. I'm like, what is happening? So I get upset for you. I get upset because I'm like, then the beauty of the idea of a prophet in the Bible gets lost. And then we don't read it because we're like, prophet, I, I don't really have good things. I, I, I'm not, I don't know. Isaiah is going to say a weird things. So let me just remind you that Isaiah is a spokesperson for God who's not just pretending to know the future. Isaiah is going to start to help God's people to make sense of things that are going on right at the moment. And he's going to do this with certain visions that even Isaiah himself sometimes doesn't fully understand. That means Isaiah is not using God's gift in him to take advantage of the people. He's not using the idea of being a prophet to show off. He's actually using this prophetic voice, this proclaiming of what God is showing to him by reminding the people that God loves them and he's calling them closer. So this is an important indicator for us that prophet can mean a lot of things today, but let's just let Isaiah be the prophet that he is. He's going to help us to see that God is speaking through him. And he's going to write this and Christians are going to go back and say, Isaiah, man, has so much to teach us about this, these things. And so like I said, I want to begin this morning by telling you about a particular kind of suffering. And if you're taking notes, you want to write this down, you know, you'll talk about it in your home groups a bit. But I want to talk about a suffering that's shaped by disobedience. Okay, that's a first suffering. It's hard for us to understand this one. But it's like a suffering that is shaped by disobedience. Because the beginning of Isaiah, we're kind of told what is starting to happen, and I'm going to read it for you just a second. And as I read it, you're kind of going to get a snapshot of the things that are going on that are probably not good things. Beginning of Isaiah, first few chapters, first few verses, and then chapter 6 as well. It says this, the vision, Isaiah has a vision, concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah son of Amos saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Now, I know if you were reading this alone, you're like, too many weird names, Netflix is calling, but you got to stay with it, okay? You got to stay with it, okay? Four kings, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high high and exalted, seated on the throne. If you read the first few chapters of Isaiah, he's going to start talking about these visions that he sees, and those visions kind of move towards, in chapter 6, the sense that they're connected to the kings of Israel beginning to die. If you were living at a time where the rulers start to die, you would start to feel like something is up and something is going on. We all know what it's like when weak people die. But very few of us have a category for what it means when wealthy people die. When people who are in charge and in power, those people don't usually just die. And Isaiah is trying to help the people understand something really important. That as they feel the suffering and the chaos and the pain of these kings who are going to die now, meaning Israel will not have kings, or they will be looking for a king and a king and a king, Isaiah also sees God on his throne, as if to say you better have a a really anchored life in who God is because what's about to happen next is going to be so painful that the only thing that's going to hold you together is to remember that God is still on the throne. And I don't know if this has happened to you. It's happened to me in my life where I've gone through difficult seasons where I've seen people I love die and go through struggles and the only thing that held it together was to say, God, keep giving me like a perspective and a vision and a picture of your goodness and that you have something for us in this season keep our eyes there because the natural thing is for your eyes to just go into the suffering and if your eyes just go into the suffering you start to see everything through that moment it's like everything is dark you just it's like you're drowning you're like and Isaiah's like hey hey let me just prepare you for this right at the beginning before we get to chapter 40 the beginning of Isaiah is this moment where the king's of, of Israel, and if you're taking notes, you, you'll maybe catch this right away. They're primarily the kings of, Jew, of the southern nation of Israel. The people of Israel were split up into two nations, the northern and the, south, the southern. Like, you know, the north and south always will fight for a long time. But Isaiah's is going to start talking about these kings of the south, and they are going to start to die. And to see Uzziah, who's going to die, would have been like, wow, wow. hold up, hold up. How is the king dying? Like, what is happening right now? Each of us has to think about what we believe about God when we see powerful people die. When we see all the things in the world that we think should go well and we wrestle with this because we know we live in a world that's still wired like this. We live in a world where we think that people who are in power, people who have influence, people who are most important, they have special privileges that other people don't have. You know, even just a few weeks ago, my, my son and I, we ended up being at the hospital. We were in Emerge. We were waiting. And, you know, what went through my mind is I'm like, do like really rich people wait in Emerge like a long time? Like, is, and right away I thought, wait a second. Wait, maybe there's a private system. There's people who can pay extra. Maybe there's people who have a doctor on their payroll. Some of you are like, that's me. Okay, can we talk after the service? Okay, so, so there's, just, there's some people that you think, no, no, wealthy people don't deal with the suffering of the people in the world. Wealthy people ignore the suffering around them and are able to create systems where they take advantage of those systems. But Isaiah says, I want you to tell you that God is about to do something that the most wealthy people, the most powerful people, the people who thought they could ignore the suffering, they are about to suffer now. And they are the kings. And Isaiah is going to start to develop this concept by reminding us that the suffering he's about to tell us about is a suffering that's connected to disobedience. A suffering connected to disobedience. The kings were told that many times in the history of God's people that they had to live a certain way and act a certain way, and if they, they pushed outside of those boundaries, they would suffer. And not only that they would suffer, the people that they, they led, they too would suffer. And so at different times, God's people are, are like reminding the kings, and prophets were usually people who were spokespeople to the king. So whenever the king started to do things that were like a little bit edgy, imagine having somebody who sits next to you every time you drive, okay? And every time you speed up, you know your car, sometimes our car has a ding if you go over a certain speed limit. Anyone have that? Okay, so some newer cars, they have this ding if you hit over like, you could tell the car, like when you get over 50, just flash something and tell me you're an idiot, something like that. Okay, and you could do that, have all these things. And usually if you have that after, a while, it's really, really nice, you know, but after a while you just take it off. Because you're like, I don't need anybody's help for that. I'm going to just do what I want, right? Think about that the prophets are like visually always close enough to the kings where they're just saying, hey, hey, that's a bit out of order. Hey, 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 that's a bit too far. Hey, hey, that seems like it's not something that would honor our God if you act that way. So the king and the prophets were always meant to kind of work together and talk and kind of hear God's voice together. And this morning, I just want to begin by telling you about King Uzziah. Have any of you ever heard anybody called Uzziah? Anyone? Uzziah? No one? It would be really cool if someone was here and it's like, my name is Uzziah. Like, that's amazing. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, so Uzziah is not a name you hear all the time, but King Uzziah was a king that God loved. And he was a good king. For many, many years, he served the people. And if you read in the book of Kings and the book of Chronicles, there are these other books in the Bible, they tell us about Uzziah. He's the kind of ruler that you would love to be in charge. He's the kind of person you would vote for to be the prime minister. Some of you. He'd do things and he'd strengthen Israel. He had an army. Things were going well. And if you go, go to the next slide, you'll just see this. One of the things that we're told about Uzziah is that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. This is such a beautiful thing for somebody to say about you. Like if you died or if you were sick and people talked about you, if they said, hey, this person here, they did what was right in the eyes of God. I hope people say that about me one day. I hope people say that about you. I hope your kids will remember things they saw in you that reminded them that my mom and dad, they did, they always tried to do what was best in the eyes of the Lord. That's what they did. They made mistakes, but they tried and they wanted that. Uzziah was a king that people like, yes, this is great. And because the king was a good king, the people of God experienced prosperity. They experienced the goodness of God. the the things that God had in store for them, their land, kind of safety, all of these things. But unfortunately, that's not how Uzziah's story ends. Because at a certain point, Uzziah is going to be so well off that the Bible says that he begins to get proud and he starts to remember, he's going to start to do things that are outside of his reference point to do. He's going to start to act in a way as if the rules don't apply to him. He's going to start to think, listen, I'm the king, God has been with me, look at how amazing this is. Do you think God is not with me? And one day, we're told that Uzziah is going to decide that he is going to go into the temple region where the people of God worship, and he's going to start to burn incense there and to act, not like the king, not like the prophet, but he's going to act like the priest. He's going to say, I'm going to do it myself it's almost like he's going to say that the the things that God has put in place, actually, they matter for the other people, but they don't really matter for me. It's a great, great lesson for us. Uzziah is one of those people that reminds us that sometimes when we do certain practices long enough, we forget how sacred they are. Actually, in a few minutes, we're going to celebrate communion. And if you don't know this about communion, that it's one of the most sacred things that even in the Bible... We're warned by never taking this act as something that's just like whatever. Just just do whatever you want. The Bible tells us, no, no, when God gives his people certain parameters for how to live, he says, you need to act in accordance with those things. They're to protect you and they're to remind you the kind of God that I am. In the Bible, it was the priests who was their responsibility to go into the temple and to burn incense and to do their act there. And Uzziah decides he's going to do it. And this is what happens next, which is a profound moment where courageous priests decide, somebody's better tell Uzziah or we're going to have a says this. His fame spread far and wide, Uzziah's fame, for he was greatly helped until he became powerful. And his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Azariah, another good name, the <laughs> priest, with 80 other courageous priests you know how powerful Uzziah must be that you need to bring 80 people with you? 80 priests of the Lord followed him in and they confronted King Uzziah. How many of you get that email from the priest? Hey, we need to go into the boss's office and tell him that uh, he's acting inappropriate at lunchtime. You guys in? How many of you be like, oh, I'm on vacation that week. I'm sorry, I would love to help you guys. I'm going to be away. You feel the weight of like, these priests are like, is Uzziah really thinking that because he's so powerful, that because God has blessed him, that he can kind of just override the practices of God's people and think he's a priest? Can he do that? Is he really going to do this? And the priests are like, yeah, he's really doing this. So they, they go in, and they tell him, they're like, hey, hey, okay, king, we don't want you to kill us, but let me just, let's just explain this to you, that you know, you know that this would be to be disobedient against what, the, what God has called you to do. I want you to write this down. This is so important. Many times we think that when bad things happen or people experience like suffering, we often think, oh, God's up in the sky and he had a bad day and he decided, you're going to be sick today. You're going to have a car accident. Like people have weird views of God, by the way. They, there's some Christians who believe that God is magically making bad things happen to people just because it glorifies him. That's how they think about God. Okay, But what's really important is that Uzziah is being told by the priest something he already knows. He's not being tricked. He's not being surprised. He's being reminded that he knows that from the beginning, this was not his responsibility. And that it was the priests who, who did the acts related to worship in the temple, and Uzziah did the acts that related to being the king. And God had given these parameters. And I don't know how this happens. Maybe it happens to you, it happens to me. Over time, After a while, we start to think like, whatever, you know, God is love and he loves everybody. And so if you do something bad, it doesn't really bother him. He just like, there's so many people that I meet that when they think of God, because the Bible does say that God is love, they hear God is love by meaning God lets you do whatever you want. Like that's what you hear. I used to hear that. I used to hear like God is love, meaning God just lets you be happy all the time. Not understanding that God's love is always meant to form us in a certain way. God's love is meant to shape us into the people that worship him based on how he's calling us to worship him. And Uzziah has a chance that everybody's praying, everybody who reads the story is praying one prayer. Uzziah, please listen to the priests. Uzziah, please, like turn to the person next to you and be like, please listen to the priests. That's what he's saying you'd be like, everybody be praying the same prayer. same, Because they know, they know that if Uzziah decides to like flex, that you get it? Like if he decides to turn up the king heat, this is not going to be good. And I would love to tell you that Uzziah was submissive and understanding and wise, but he was not. And he said to the priests, like, What are you talking about? The Bible says, if you read in 2 Chronicles, that he was angered and he decided he could do what he wants. It's almost like the priests are like, this is is not how this works. You know this. And he decides that he's going to do what he wants to do. And the Bible tells us that within a short time, Uzziah is struck with leprosy. You're like, oh my goodness. And it's really easy to hear that and be like, that's kind of mean. But in the Bible, was very clear that when God had given His people parameters, they would have to just be obedient about those parameters, that if they continued doing it, there were like kind of consequences. You ever hear that word, consequences? That's hard for people to talk about. We actually had a whole debate here in the province. I don't know if you, you heard this. Maybe you're online and you're watching from someone else somewhere else. But there was a debate about putting labels on alcohol, you know, for a little while. Any of you, none of you drink, I know, but the, for the people who drink, they... Uh, putting labels and saying like more and more the studies show that if you drink a little bit too much you know you're prone to be sick cancer all these things and people are like no 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 let's not let's not mention any of that we really don't know how to tell people like real consequences if they do certain things i'm always shocked when i get pulled over by a cop i don't know about you you have your shocked face that you do cop pulls you over and in your heart and in your mind, the Lord is saying to you, you're going to pay, and you're like, I'm going to tell the cop it, and it, didn't happen. I'm just going to say, I don't know what it was. I'm not sure. It happened to me the other day. It was, it was the best. If you were with me, you've been so proud. No, you wouldn't have. I, like, I was at the hospital, and I was leaving, and as I'm leaving the hospital, I'm just so tired, and I'm rushing, and I go through the light. It's like yellow slash red slash red, red. I wish it was yellow, kind of there <laughs> at that moment. And no word of a lie, a cop is right there. I'm like, there is no God. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> but my suffering started. Like the suffering that was the dumb person's suffering started. And I had all, I'm like, I'm going to just talk about my son's leg. And I'm going to start, the, I'm going to ramp up the, monsieur. <laughs> you, some of you will need these tricks. Like you, you can use these. The cop just never came after me. And I was like, yes. But I knew that there was a consequence if I... Like, I knew. It was no surprise. I've been like, of course. When you're reading this part of the story, Uzziah knows. He knows, like, you break this, everybody's going to pay. And it's not going to just be like a ticket. Uzziah is struck down with leprosy. Now, scholars don't know if Uzziah dies of leprosy, or he just dies slowly, but he will die with leprosy. And to have leprosy as a king was forever a sign of the curse of God on the people and the fact that God was not going to listen anymore. And Isaiah begins his book by telling us, this is the year King Uzziah died. And everybody knows. Everybody knows that there's a kind of suffering connected to disobedience. There is. So I just want to remind you that as we begin this series, there's going to be times where God maybe is going to bring to your attention things that you're experiencing, things that maybe you're feeling based on the fact that there were signs of certain decisions and you ignored those. Or like, I'm going to do what I want, and God loves us, and you know, it's amazing, and I just, whatever. It's not just whatever. Uzziah, he's a great example of this. And he's a great example of how the things of God can turn into rituals that we think we could just do on our terms. It doesn't bother God. They're never just rituals. They're reminders of what it means to be formed as those who worship God you'd be shocked to know that when we learn about Jesus, Jesus is going to talk about a different kind of suffering. And the band's going to come back up and throughout the series we're going to look at Isaiah and we're going to look at Jesus. But I just want to point out this powerful moment where Jesus is also going to talk about suffering. He's going to talk about suffering because Jesus will come to remind the people that the old ways and the ways of the kings and the ways of Israel are not the ways that are are going to set them free. And one day, Jesus is with his followers. Some of you know this story. He's walking with his disciples, and he asks his disciples the greatest question. He says, you know what? People on the street, people you work with, people you go to school with, people in the community, who do they think that I am? What do they say about me? What have you heard on the street about who I am? Is that a great question? It's a great question because Jesus expects his people to be living with real people. They're not hiding in some, like, secret club. They're just with real people. And some of the people say, you know what? People think you're John the Baptist. Or people think you're like a prophet, like Isaiah and Jeremiah. Maybe you're one of those people. And at one point, one of the disciples named Peter will say, Jesus, we know who you really are. You're the the one. You're the one we've been waiting for. You're the one who's going to make all things right. You're the one who's going to set us free so that we are not living with the weight of the discipline of the, the, that we saw in the prophets that Isaiah talked about, that Jeremiah talked about. You're the one. You're going to make things better. And so profound at this moment. This is what we're told. When you will lift it up. No, this, sorry, this is what it says next. It says, but what, what about you, he said. Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, God's Messiah. Some translations say the anointed one. And Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the son of man must suffer many things like we are almost shocked i would be shocked i don't know about you i'd be shocked if jesus is like this is exactly what's going to happen now i have come to be obedient and you will see me suffer many things if you're taking notes you might want to write this down if isaiah teaches us that there's a kind of suffering that comes from disobedience jesus will tell us that there's a kind of suffering that comes from being obedient And Jesus will tell us, you must learn this because at times you will be called to suffer when you're obedient. You will have to learn this lesson or else you will interpret all suffering as if God is not with you. You will interpret all suffering as the suffering that you see in Isaiah, in Uzziah, in the people of Israel. But there's a kind of suffering as well that God allows those He loves to go through that is connected to them being obedient. over the next few weeks as we move closer to Easter this idea of Jesus suffering is going to drive us crazy because none of us want a God none of us want a king none of us want a ruler who suffers like how do you ask other people to follow if we want a God that makes everything better we want a God that knows how to fix everything we want a God who enters our suffering and says you will never suffer again and then he says by the way you're going to see what it's like when I suffer. And you know what? The disciples who are with Jesus, they're shocked. And Peter right away says what we would all say. Come on, Jesus. Don't, don't say that. Don't talk like that. And Jesus will say, you, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're like, next week. <laughs> next week. When Jesus says you need to understand this, in a few minutes, We're going to invite you to come on up. And to take communion is to listen to Jesus begin to explain the kind of suffering that he must go through. And it's going to be that kind of moment where you're like, oh, this is so hard because everything in me just wants to believe that I'm victorious and God loves me, and that should mean that there is no more suffering. That's what it should mean. But Jesus is like, it doesn't really. And it won't always feel that way. And we often encourage you to think about a specific thing that you might need to confess as you come this morning. Can I ask you to maybe take a minute even as we sing this song to think about maybe a time in your life where suffering was connected to you being disobedient. Or maybe you're in a season right now and you know you're not being obedient. And God has shown you his grace and his love and things are not that bad. And you might confuse it as thinking like, I'm great. God's like, things are not great. There's consequences if you keep doing blank. There's consequences if you keep thinking that I'm just a God who just lets all things just pass. Read Isaiah. Maybe for you, that's just the first step to understanding God's love and his goodness. And in a minute, I'm gonna come up and I'll lead us to take communion together. So let's just Stand we sing the song before i spoke a word This is kind of a new experience for you. We're just so happy that you're here. You probably heard it in my sermon how I wanted us to understand that this is not just a ritual that we do. This is not just something like we have to figure out to add some extra time to the service. But this is a sacred practice that Jesus left his disciples that would help them to remember that he's the one who suffers because he was obedient. And so maybe for some of you, this has become kind of a, something you just come up to do. May I just re- warn, warn you of what happened to Uzziah when he thought that worshiping God is just something that you do? This is why we get a chance to really confess and to ask God to search us so that we would understand how sacred this is. In a few minutes, we're going to invite you to come up. And we're going to invite you to take a piece of bread and a cup, either the wine or the juice, as you feel comfortable, and to just take it back to your seat. To hold it and to remember that Jesus has a special strength for us in our suffering. And that strength is made possible because He's the one who suffered on our behalf. But having done that, He still reminds us that there is a type of suffering that sometimes comes out of our disobedience. And this is a great chance for us to ask God to help us to be obedient. Not because we can ever earn His grace or do what He did on the cross, but because out of what He did, we can be obedient because we love Him. And if you've never kind of taken that step to say yes to Jesus, we would encourage you to just have no pressure to come up and do this. We're just happy that you're here and that you're able to worship and see what we're we're doing. Maybe for some of you, this is the moment where you realize Jesus is calling you closer. And you might come to this and then the next step would be that you would be baptized. We wanna encourage you to think about that. The Pastor Michael and I are gonna be up front, and we're gonna give you the bread. We're gonna remind you of what it means that the body of Jesus was broken for you and for us. And just remember, you take it back with you and then we'll take it together as we read the passage of scripture. So let me just pray for us before we come. Father, as we come now, we thank you for the sacred meal that Jesus had with his disciples and that you reminded them and us that we should take this meal as a reminder until the day you return about the kind of suffering that only you could withstand and the kind of joy and hope and love that is available to us because of Your suffering. Help us in our questions and in our doubts. Help us in our habits to maybe make this a ritual. Protect us from that. We pray this in Your name, Jesus. Amen. We also have a a gluten-free option for anyone who might need that. I think of all the questions we would have for Jesus is there no other way for God to make the world right does he really have to suffer his disciples will be so frustrated that we know that Peter himself will still have a sword with him when Jesus goes to the garden and he will try to use that sword because he think that there's power that can set us free and Jesus will say only suffering will set you free now a suffering that comes out of obedience. I think of Jesus taking the bread, and breaking it, and probably talking about Moses and the Exodus and how powerful God is, and then saying, By the way, someone is here who is greater than Moses. And he says this We're told the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. next time we take communion together will be Good Friday. We have a journey that we're going to make towards Good Friday. And Jesus is going to teach us lots of things about the meaning of suffering. But we begin this morning by reminding ourselves that there was a suffering that Jesus experienced because he was obedient. Because he loved us. Because he loved us before I pray for us and let you go I just want to remind you maybe you're here you came up to take communion and you know that God is doing something speaking to you calling you to a deeper place and you want to pray with someone we'd love to pray with you just on our prayer space here and also if you took communion and you're not baptized yet we'd love for you to just let us know so we can help you and encourage you and help you understand the meaning of baptism and what it means that we die to ourselves and are raised to life again because of what Jesus has done before we're done, let's just stand Closing close in prayer. Father, as we go now, we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to be at work convicting us, comforting us, and calling us to a deeper place. You promised us the gift of the Holy Spirit he would remind us of everything you taught us so that we could be obedient and so that we could follow you in ways that honor you I pray for anyone in this room who finds themselves maybe living out of the ritual of these practices and just needs a reminder of what it means that you have strength and a new fire for their hearts and for their lives Would you just stir that in them this week? And would you also make us sensitive to people that we know and that we love who are experiencing deep suffering in this season? Would you help us to just invite them into the season of learning as we go through the book of Isaiah and look at sections that remind us that there's hope even in suffering? As we go now, would you help us also to encourage these same types of things in the lives of our children? And those we live with, those we work with, may you be honored, Jesus, by how we live. We pray this in your name. Amen. Everyone, God bless. Thanks for being here. If you're online, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. God bless everyone.